This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Mole from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. All right, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have begun the podcast this is what happens when you're in lockdown. You go a little bit stir-crazy and you have to record the podcast from your bedroom because there isn't a whole lot of quiet space in a house full of seven people. So I've also set up my gear in, um, in the kitchen and there's a low hum of three different fridges. So I'm really contributing to greenhouse gases. But for whatever reason, trying to get seven people into one fridge doesn't work too well. So we are in my bedroom. So uh, some listeners uh, may revel over... Nah, let's not go down that, that, that route. <laughs> uh, so let's let's keep this as a punchy one. So um, obviously I've been doing the money skill websites um, and actually I've been working on a project in the background that I really think is going to revolutionize the financial literacy space in an engaging way that's actually going to mean a lot to a lot of different people. And it's all going to be free. So I've been putting in my hard-earned money and time throughout lockdown to build it. And we're getting closer and closer. So um, being a podcast listener, you're going to be one of the, the first first um, early adopters, I hope. So you can critique it, judge it. I'm not necessarily talented in that world, but it's really just about making sure that we have uh, a proof of concept. And instead of over-engineering it, you want to make sure that you've got a minimal viable product that you put out there and then work on it. Because it's quite hard to sit on your own and just imagine what millions of different people would like to see uh, in a financial literacy course. So it's basically money skills. The idea is we're going to have different instructors. So I've got a platform and a dashboard where people can track the lessons, the courses, the quizzes that will actually all link in and they can communicate with the students. And it's going to be a portal, online portal, where it's also a social platform. So we're, you're able to share your story and break the stigma around money so that we can all start earning more, saving more, and having a better retirement because 60 to 70% of the population in 2013 just lived on an extra $100 a week um, in retirement. So pension, not much, 30 grand after tax for a couple. So you imagine 60 to 70% of people just had an extra $100 a week on top of that. Pretty ugly. So 35 grand a year for a couple. Happy days, happy days. So we don't want that to happen and we don't want your upbringing or your background or your financial limitations or your understanding to come between you and a better financial future. So if we're able to make it um, engaging in a relevant way that allows you to share your journey with other people and also it could be a means for you to develop purpose and refine what you want in life. The other thing is a lot of people, they teach you at school to do things a certain way, but they don't teach you how to learn. And some of the, the latest research suggests that highlighting, summarizing is a waste of time. 
the most effective, two most effective ways, we'll get into finance in a minute, but two of the most effective ways to study is active recall so that you would use a tool like Anki, which is a free tool that medical students would uh, use. But basically the objective is when you actively recall, when you knew that use the neurons in your brain to assess and remember, instead of just taking notes passively, you want to ask yourself questions that invoke an answer and doing it over and over and over in a way that has spatial repetition as well. So it's not just doing it one hour, it's doing it in an hour, in a day, in a week. And Anki allows you to do that. Um, it's not affiliate, it's just a free tool you download, gutted for Apple users. You can't actually download it without paying money for that one, but you know, Android's or you can do it on your computer for free. So I want to sort of encourage and teach people how to learn and don't feel like exams are coming between you and obviously uh, the limitations in your mind. So you've got like a, a mental hang up because you feel like you're not good or you start doubting yourself or comparing yourself because if you come from a lower socioeconomic area and they don't necessarily prioritize education, then you're already behind in the sense that you're not having homework worked through with your parents. You're not being supported. You may actually need to work just to support the family. So you're at real disadvantage. So we want to actually streamline the way of which you, you learn and not have your self limiting beliefs come between you and learning so i'm trying to navigate those two worlds and finding the best way to do it so i'm going to make a minimal viable product hopefully it's going to be pretty close to finished in the coming weeks the draft anyways and then you guys can critique it and judge it and tell me how it can be better so that being said let's get into a question and talk about some finance but i'm just a little g'd up about that and i love lockdown purely for the fact that i still got clients that um, I need to support, but, you know, it's recurring revenue. We don't really come under any strain. There's no new work that's assigned to me. I just have new clients coming in. Um, but in between new clients and supporting existing clients, there's a lot of space to innovate and think strategically. So that's what I've been doing um, seven days a week, working more because you don't have to drive. There's no commute. That being said, anyone out there, I know you're potentially struggling, so um, feel free to reach out, spin a yarn. I'm a pretty good listener. Um and yeah, I know it's tough for a lot of people. So if you're in that situation, you kind of got to accept that this is reality now and how can you pivot to benefit both yourself, your business, or thinking about jobs, like having an opportunity to actually take a chance in your dream. Because if you're at rock bottom right now, one of the best things about rock bottom is there's an opportunity to change because your resistance to change is actually held in place by the fact that you've got sort of a certain level of security. And the fear of change is making you not want to take that leap. But when you're at rock bottom, there's only up. So I um, hope you guys are doing okay. I'm loving it. And that product and that um, platform is, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there, people. Took a little while, but we're getting there. So that being said, we've got a question from Jess. Uh, so a long-time listener. So shout out, Jess. Thank you for the question. And this question uh, obviously starts off, Hi there, I just had a question for your podcast. I want to start thinking about investing my money and or saving for the future, but I am a student and don't have consistent income. I have about $10,000 in saving, but since interest rates are so low at the moment, I'm looking at investing. Also, any tips for future-proofing your money while at uni? Thanks, Jess. So, <clears throat> I know there's a lot of young listeners on TikTok um, that have come here. So appreciate you. Um, and I know obviously we've got an older clientele on the podcast as well. So we'll try to answer the question and uh, appeal to both demographics. So <clears throat> first step, you need a tick before even thinking about investing is an emergency fund. So that's working out 
how much money you're going to need to fund your lifestyle for three to six months. So, you know, a student wouldn't be a whole lot. You know, you have very cost-effective uh, cost accommodation. So, and you mainly the most money you'd spend is probably on alcohol or reasons to procrastinate and not do study. So, you know, food, movies, friends, all that sort of stuff. So you just want to work that out. So let's say $400 a week, maybe 200 if you're, you're doing real well. Um, I'm just checking as well that the uh, podcast still recording because uh, the screen just went black. So let's say $400 a week. So if you times $400 by four, there's $1,600 per month. Times that by four to find the middle ground between three and six months. So 1,600 times four, 6,400, I think. I don't even do this before, so we'll go with that. So you want to have between six and $7,000 in savings, assuming that your expenditure is about $400, which I think is potentially reasonable depending on where you're living in the country. I remember once upon a time I had a rent that was $80 a week in Palmerston North. Now, obviously, in Auckland, you know, you're looking upwards of hundreds, you know. So you can start at staying a big student flat, cut costs, maybe $170 to $220 you could find. We managed to find a place for 130 bucks, but it was basically a shoebox because um, all the money I wanted to put in developing and growing the business um, because, you know, I lived in a tent for a year and a half traveling around the world, so I don't really need anything. But now we're in a nicer house, and that costs money. So first thing you want to make sure is you're ticking that emergency fund box. The other thing with a student is you may not reach the threshold of $1,043 a year. The reason that's a threshold is that's how you capitalize on the government benefit. The most they'll pay is $521.43, which means you have to, they pay 50% of what you would put in for the first $1,042.86. Quick math. So you want to make sure you're reaching that threshold. You look at the provider, they'll be able to let you know. And before, um, I believe it's the 30th of June comes around, you want to make sure you've ticked that because that's a very good way to hedge against inflation because one, you're getting the benefit of 50% of your money being added from the government superannuation, uh, the government contribution, should I say. And then also it's compounding over time. The important thing you'd want to look at with your KiwiSaver is the time horizon. So if you're a younger person in uni, you're probably expecting or hoping to buy a house. And the real challenge with that is obviously, can you get enough of a deposit if you're in Auckland, for example? So with that, you put the minimum to maximize um, the benefit. Most employers, they're required to contribute 3%. If you're a contractor, you may miss out on that opportunity. But you want to make sure that you're putting in the 3% of your income and then if you're putting that in as well um, the government's going to put in that contribution provided you get over the 1043 so being a part-time student part-time worker because you're a full-time student you want to be conscious you're reaching that threshold the second thing is you know really the most valuable investment you can make is an investment in yourself and your ability to generate an income so I think as well, obviously, I know your question was around inflation, but you want to really start developing your skill set. So there's things like Udemy courses. So you go online, you pay 50 bucks, you get a course in whatever field of interest that you have, and then you want to start leveraging connections. So you want to start building a network of people that are experts in the field that you want to be a part of. Being a student, you might be confused. You might not necessarily know what you want to do in life. So you just really want to experiment and try different things and talk to people that are really going through what you want to do. 
And then when you build up that network, then you start your part-time role could actually be in the area that you want to develop and grow and that you want to have as your purpose and your long-term goal. So an investment in your knowledge, an investment in your ability to connect. So there's a tool you could potentially use, Sales Navigator, um, through LinkedIn. So that's about, I don't know, $30 a month. I oh, know, $80 a month, should I say? And you can actually say, hey, I have no money. And you can get a couple months there if you want, just thinking with that student mindset because I know that the money that you're saving could be going towards um, the money that you're saving could be going towards, you know, noodles because I know how tight things can be. The computer just started flashing red at me. So, yeah, keep rolling. Keep rolling. I'm hoping the audio is going to be caught through the camera. So if you use Sales Navigator, it's a way to connect through um, people through LinkedIn. So you find your ideal person that you want to connect with you want to start commenting on their posts. So you will find CEOs, really successful people, take hours to create a post and no one interacts with it. So if you take the time to add value to that area, then what that enables you to do is stand out. And then everyone that liked that post will see it. And then in your LinkedIn um, bio, you want to make sure that because that's the part they see, that you really show your intent. So you know, I'm a young person, I'm studying, I just really want to understand what I want to do in life or... I really want to learn about marketing. I just want to listen to someone that's smarter than me so I can develop my craft. You know, something that really shows intent. I know the direction you wanted to go potentially was, hey, how do I invest to have my money working for me? But as I say, the most valuable investment you can make at this point of your life is an investment in yourself and ability to generate an income. So that's one avenue. The other thing you can be considerate in terms of, hey, you want to have your money work for you um, is a managed fund. So the whole structure is similar to KiwiSaver in the sense it has a custodial trustee who's the legal owner of your money. So if the actual fund provider goes under, it means that you're not poten- you're not going to lose your money. It's going to be still in the underlying investment and then it can come back through the custodial trust to you or another fund manager will buy it. And the main thing you want to consider with a managed fund is buzzwords like conservative, balanced, or growth. So with a conservative fund, you would be saving into it after you've met the, the needs of your emergency fund. So you got seven grand aside. You contribute your three grand into a conservative, balanced, or growth fund. If you're going to need it between two and five years, you look at conservative. If you're looking five to seven, you're looking at balanced. And if you're looking over 10 years, you're looking at growth. So what you'd be doing is you'd be contributing to your KiwiSaver, maximizing the benefit, you'd be saving into a managed fund. But the real art is how do you discover what's a good managed fund? So there's something called the Smart Investor. It's a, it's a, a tool that started by Sorted. And it's also something I want to develop and teach people to make those decisions because it's really hard to decide what provider is going to deliver on it. But you want to look for the buzzwords conservative, balanced, or growth. Use the Smart Investor as well as a sorted website to get a feel for what you would feel comfortable from a volatility standpoint because you may need the money in 10 years, but you might not feel comfortable with a growth fund going up and down by 30-50%. So you want to make sure that you have the right level of um, risk tolerance um, based on your investment. If you go through the sorted website, they'll be able to give you a bit of a feel for that. Um, the other thing, obviously, you know, there is property, you could combine your talents with other people, but with that level of income and that level of savings, you really, really want to focus on how can I enhance my income and how do I make sure that I have sufficient 
um, resources set aside. So if shit hits the fan, I can still cover it. You might even want to buy a car. So you want to think about, hey, in the next three years, what am I actually going to use this money for? So genuinely think about refine what you want to achieve in life, what you're trying, what sort of purpose or career that you're looking to pursue. Find out who out there is doing what you want to do or know someone that knows the people you want to connect with and then just start building that relationship and developing your craft and learning because a lot of students I find they do um, study to tick a certain box with the expectation they're going to get a job but the reality is it's not going to get you that job just because you had the degree. It's your connections, it's your skill set. So if you start with your part-time job working with someone successful, using the connections that they've got and what you've got with others and developing it, you're going to leapfrog your career. You're going to be earning an income far more than any sort of investment could for you. So that's what I would say. Um, but it's the tried or true. We, we recommend managed funds in combination with a KiwiSaver. The only exception is if you've got debt and on the family home, there's nothing that's going to perform better than debt because even in the last 12 to 13 years, it's gone up and down by 9 or 11% in terms of interest rates. So you imagine you're getting 4% on your balanced fund but your debt's like 9 or 11% and you're just losing money and then the bank's like, hey, you've lost your job, I don't care, but hey, you need to pay these bills. Oh no, you're gone. Um, we're going to have to sell your house, so tough shit. So with that in mind, <laughs> I hope it all sort of came together and made sense to you, but the best investment a student can make is the ability to earn an income. So focus on connection, what you want in life, and sort of developing your understanding in terms of doing it as well as understanding the the skill set through a course that's you know 10 bucks 50 bucks like i mean google is university like there's no there's no there's no fucking there's nothing you can't learn on google there's not like intellectual property that like businesses protect it like um it's this magical beast that no one knows how to do it but like I haven't found an original idea in a very long time and nearly everything is accessible through the internet. So university has its benefits, it has prerequisites for certain careers, but the most important thing is to be a student of life and develop connections with people that are going to help um, refine and develop your career. So might not have been what you expected, but I hope you got value out of it and I really appreciate you listening, Jess, and uh, everyone else listening. Um, chuck us a review we're getting it up we're up to the four star rating that one uh, little individual listened to half an episode thought we were brokers and gave us a pretty tough review so if you could take the time to to give us a review i appreciate that and this is a great time if you're thinking about developing a brand to think about podcasts and who better person to go to than jordan at nzaudioeaters.com because plug them every single time gotta stay consistent thanks guys and uh yeah till next time